welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Hey, Hope City Church. Pastor Gary from South San Diego, Chula Vista, California, coming to you today. Man, good to be with you. Wish I was with you guys in person. I know you guys are still going through some quarantine, church quarantine, camp meet, all that kind of stuff. Uh, We've got a little bit more freedom down here right now, but we're believing God with you guys that pretty soon you're going to be able to gather together physically, not just online, and get a chance to really congregate and assemble together and let God do some more amazing, amazing things in your life. Love Pastor Jake and Pastor Jen and the family. I've known uh, them for years, and, and Jake's dad, Pastor Dave McGrew, for years, dear, dear friend, and, and, and that Gene, we, we just love them, love the kids, of course, your pastor and Jen. And so I was asked today to be a part of this series of Bible characters, and I'm, I'm going to bring you a Bible character in the next couple moments that maybe you haven't heard about, maybe you haven't read about, but I believe, and I'm praying, that it's going to impact your life and all of our lives as well. I'm going to jump right into the Word today. I'm going to start in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 21. I'm going to read one verse, then I'm going to kind of explain some stuff that's going on, then we're going to jump into the meat of this scripture, and then we're going to talk about some other things I really believe is going to help you in the season that many of you find yourself in. I'm going to talk to you from my own experience uh, in the middle of this message, bring some, uh, some application at the end, and I really, really think today is going to be a powerful day as we open up the Word and we all grow together. Come on, can you say amen for that? Jump with me to 2 Samuel chapter 21, verse 1. We'll have it on my handy-dandy screen right here. Here's what it says. There was a famine... During David, this is King David's reign that lasted for three years. So David asked the Lord about it. And the Lord said, the famine has come because Saul, this is King Saul, and his family are guilty of murdering the Gibeonites. Now King Saul was the former king before David came to power. And and, and what we find out is that there was something that was going on now in David's life in David's reign that was caused by the former king, King Saul. Uh, we, we find out that there was a famine, and it last what was going on for, for, for years, three years specifically. So let me just kind of pump the brakes and stop before we get into the meat of where we're going to go today. Not really talking about this, but this is just too good in the Word of God to pass up. I want to encourage you that we can find here something was going on because something wasn't right. And I want to just strongly encourage you if, that, if there's something that's continually going on in your life or around with your family, with, uh, with anything that's just uh, super abnormal, super, we could say maybe demonic, that might be a strong word to, to, for some of you, but, but that you would ask God, this was going on for three years, and then David finally asked God, what's up with the famine? So, so, so we found out that God then told him, God told him, the famine's here because 
King Saul murdered the Gibeonites. Now, now what we know from Scripture, let me take you back, we know from Scripture that the Gibeonites were not part of Israel. They were, they were a tribe, they were a group that was really left when the Amorites were there in the land. And, and, and when we find out that when Joshua, remember Moses, and then Joshua took over after Moses, when they were going to the promised land, the Gibeonites heard that Israel was just taking territory and taking uh, city after city. And so the Gibeonites kind of pretended they came from way, way far away, and they made a covenant with Joshua and Israel saying, hey man, we want to serve you. We will we'll protect us and, and we'll serve you. Just don't kill us. Well, they were just, they were like the next town over, but they tricked Joshua and Joshua made a covenant with them. Even though he got tricked into it, God remembered that covenant. Well, we find out now all these years later that King Saul killed the Gibeonites and God remembered it. That's why there was this famine. So King David actually goes to the Gibeonites, those that were left, and he says, hey guys, how can we make this right? There's been a famine for three years. It's not good. We want this to stop. What can we do to make this right? Here's what they said. They said, give us seven sons from King Saul's lineage. And so David said, okay. David said, all right. And they were going to take these seven sons, they said, and we're going to hang them on a tree. We're going to hang them for their wrong. Their daddy's wrong. King Saul's wrong. And so here we are. We're going to pick up the story, what happens during this time, as David then got these seven sons from a couple different women and gave them to the Gibeonites. And they were going to be hung on a tree. Let's pick up the story in verse 10. It says... In verse 10, that Rizpah, this is one of the women who had two sons, the daughter of Ai, the mother of two of the men, two of the seven, spread burlap on a rock and stayed there the entire harvest season. She prevented the scavenger birds from tearing at their bodies during the day and stopped the wild animals from eating them at night. When David, King David, learned that Rizpah, Saul's concubine, had done, he went to the people of Jabesh-Gilead and retrieved the bones of King Saul and his son Jonathan. So David obtained the bones of Saul and Jonathan, as well as the bones of the men the Gibeonites had executed. Then the king ordered that they be buried the bones in the tomb of the Kish, this is Saul's father at the town of Zelah in the land of Benjamin. After that, God ended the famine in the land. I, I want to next, for the next, I don't know, 25, 28 minutes or so, maybe shorter, maybe a little bit longer, I, I want to talk to you about this group of scriptures, really these four scriptures, this story that's probably about 12 or 14 scriptures long, if you read the whole thing in context. I want to talk to you about this thought here it is today, fight for your family. If, you're, if you have a family, would you just say that out loud with me? Fight for your family. What's really intriguing about this story that we just read is that all seven boys, we don't, we don't know that they did anything wrong. They were just born into King Saul's family. 
They didn't probably kill the Gibeonites. We don't have any record that they did, but they suffered the consequences. And so let, let me just real strong talk to you parents that are there listening this morning, moms, dads, caretakers, maybe even grandparents that are watching over kids, that if you're involved in something that you know you shouldn't be involved with, sin that the Bible talks about in any shape, form, or manifestation, maybe you'll be okay. Maybe you'll get through it, but, but let, me, let me just say this to you. Maybe your kids won't. Maybe your kids won't get through it. I'm a, I'm a dad. I'm a grandfather now. We've got four kids. They're 34 almost, 33, almost 27, and 24. So our, our kids are up there growing and have families of their own. We've got five grandkids now. And so what I know about having kids and know about having grandkids is that you are constantly going to have to fight for your family. I don't care if you're in church every Sunday. I don't care how much you love God, how much Bible you know, how much you pray and pray in the Holy Spirit. I don't care how many hallelujahs you shout up or how many, how many tambourines you tambourine. You are going to have to learn how to fight for your family because there's an enemy. There's an avenger. There's one who's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And the minute you put your sword down, so to speak, the minute you lay down, the minute, the, the minute you quit, listen, the enemy is going to try to come in and take away what's most precious to you. And let me ask you a question this morning. Is that what, what, what kind of legacy or what legacy do you want your family to look like? What, what, what do you want the legacy of your family to look like? What, what, what do you want to leave for your family? And, and I'm encouraged you, if you're involved in some things right now, if you're involved in, in some things maybe you're not proud of, you're ashamed of, or you're condemned, I, I want to encourage you to get some help. I want to encourage you to seek God. I want to encourage you to talk to somebody, moms and dads, so, so that what you're going through doesn't affect your kids. Saul's sin affected his kids. We see that over and over, and, and the struggles that maybe parents go through, the kids later on go through the same thing. So listen, I want to encourage you to fight for your family. What we found in the story is that there was a woman here, and her name was Rizpah, and she, she impacted King David so much in such a powerful way that we read it that he actually left his kingdom, if you will, left his palace, and he came to help her. He came where she was, where there were those seven young men hanging. It's amazing what this woman did. And again, so this is the woman that maybe you've never heard of before that I want to bring to you, this character, this woman that was a godly woman. I want to talk to you today about Rizpah. What we read, or I told you the story, didn't really read it in 2 Samuel chapter 21, is that the Gibeonites took all seven of these boys and they hung them. They hung them. And so, so get the picture, as awful as it is, but get the picture that there are, speaking of Rizpah, her two sons are one of the seven, and she's got her boys that are hanging. Listen, lifeless in the sky between heaven and earth. And I, I, I'm, forgive me for being so hard and maybe so, so direct, but I've got this passionately in my heart today for you, is that I, I really believe that this might be where some of your families are right now, lifeless, 
hanging between heaven and earth. Not going anywhere. Not doing anything. Not full of purpose. Listen to me. They might be lifeless right now, but they're not hopeless. And so today, as a dad, as a granddad, as someone who's had to stand for my own kids, again, as a pastor, there have been seasons, there have been times, there have been attacks, there have been all kinds of things that have come against my own kids and, and Kimberly, our kids, and, and we've had to learn how to stand. We've had to learn how to do some of the things I want to talk to you about today. Let me say this also, is that your kids have enough coming against just enough stuff coming against them. They, they, they got enough attacks coming against them. Make sure you're not one of those attacks. Make sure. There were two kinds of things that Rizpah, she did. The, the, the scripture says this, that she drove off the vultures and she drove off the wild animals. It's amazing. The, the other mom didn't do it for her five kids, but the Bible says Rizpah did this. And, and, and it's interesting that two kinds of animals were there, vultures and wild animals. Two kinds of predators, we could say, were there. I really think this is serious. I really think this is noteworthy, that the vultures are really symbolic of demonic spiritual things. The vultures, they come from the sky, symbolic of demonic spiritual things coming against your kids. All the time, thoughts and ideas and, and agendas and the enemy lying and, and, and trying to get him diverted and trying to take him away from the things of God, away from maybe your counsel. But also there was another kind of, of animal or predator, we could say, and they were wild animals. That these wild animals are symbolic of demonic natural things. And again, these are the relationships on the earth. These are the friends that maybe have infiltrated into your kids' lives that are leading them down a wrong way. And, and I know it's all demonic-based, and I know I'm kind of making a, a thing about this right now, but, but I really think there are things, vultures that come, that are just flat-out demonic, that, that attacks and depression and oppression and, and fear and anxiety and worry and all kinds of stuff that's just demonic-based. But then also there's, there's these friends that are, man, they're like wild animals. They're coming and messing with our kids and getting them involved in behavior that, that we don't want them involved with. And so listen, we've got to learn how to deal with both of these. What we find out even in the scripture here that we read is that she stood in the day. Listen, she stood in the day. She was there. We're going to talk about it. She stayed there. She, she spread out her burlap sack. And she stayed there day and night just keeping the vultures and keeping the wild animals away. This woman was amazing. Keeping the vultures away, the, the, praying and doing warfare and, and, and keeping the crazy kids away from her family. She stayed there. She stayed there. In the day when she looked at her family, and it looks like nothing's changing, we could say, like you parents. And she stayed there at night when fear would try to grip her heart and hearing the howls of the wild animals at night. No telling what she went through. Man. The scripture tells us that she stayed there the entire harvest season three long months. And that's what got the attention 
of David. She stayed there in pain. She stayed there in anguish. She stayed there in mourning. How long will you stand for your family? I pray you stand forever because your family's worth it. At the end of the day, I've been in ministry for many, many years now, you know, 35, 36 years now. I've seen over and over the, the thing that people want at the end of their life is their family. They don't want a new house. They don't want more money. They don't want new clothes. They want their family. Your family is worth fighting for. Fight for your family. We, just like you, just celebrated Easter. And as amazing as it was, we know how graphic it was. And we know the pain and the suffering that Jesus went through. But it's really kind of interesting when you, know, when you read all the different accounts what happened there during the crucifixion is that Mary, Jesus' mom, was there at the cross. And she wasn't there alone. She actually had a couple of friends. But as a parent, she went through enormous pain. She got to see the pain up close like many of you are dealing with right now. Let me encourage you is that Mary, I said it a moment ago, Mary wasn't alone. She had a couple of friends with her. Do you have a prayer partner? Do you have someone where you can take your mask off and say, this is really going on with my family? This is really going on right now? I need somebody to help me pray. Rizpah's prayer, Rizpah's mourning, Rizpah's suffering, grabbed the attention of King David. And David ordered that the boys be cut down, cut down from that place, and be buried with King Saul and Jonathan, his son. And what I know and I've seen in, in, across, again, years and years of ministry, three decades of plus of ministry, is that I, I don't know, you, you are, and I might not see every single thing in our lifetime that we're praying for, but, but I believe that our prayers position our kids for God, even if we leave this earth, even for God to get a hold of them and work in their life. I remember a woman in our church who, who prayed, a grandma prayed feverishly for her grandson, and, and she prayed and prayed, and, and man, he was away from God. He was with God, and he was away from God. I mean, like crazy away, doing all kinds of crazy things, as you can imagine, well, he moved away to way far northern California. She kept praying, uh, pleading the blood of Jesus over him, storming heaven. And while he was away, like a prodigal son, somehow, some way, God got a hold of his heart. So listen, how long will you stand? How long will you fight the vultures? How long will you fight the wild animals? I pray that you'll fight forever. It's interesting, so many Old Testament names really mean something. There's personal application that their names are almost prophetic. And it's interesting that the word Rizpah actually means pavement or a hot stone. Pavement, solid, strong, and a hot stone. And you get around her and you were passionate. She was passionate to protect her sons. And let me encourage you, you need to stay strong. You need to stay hot for your family, for your family. 
I love the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is one of my heroes because he, he had a great cush job. He's, he's, he's sipping wine and cutting steak, make sure it's not poison for the king. And, and he hears that Jerusalem's gates and the walls are broken down and God places it on his heart and he gets a vision to go there and he begins restoring the walls and, and building them back up. But how many know whenever you're going to build and restore what God's told you to do, there's always going to be an attack. And, and there's a constant attack that came in the first days, in the first couple of months in Nehemiah's life. L let, let me read you something that happened here in Nehemiah 4.14. Here's what it says. That Nehemiah says, then I looked over the situation. What was going on? The enemy was coming. The enemy was lying to people, trying to get them off the wall from working. So he says, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people, and I said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord, who is great and glorious. Check it out now. And fight for your brothers. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your wives. Fight for your homes. Come on, church. Come on, Hope City. Fight for your family. Fight for your brothers, your sisters, your wives, your home. Fight. Don't quit fighting. Listen, there's three things that Nehemiah tells him. The enemy was lying to him. All kind, he was lying to Nehemiah, and he was messing with the people. It, three things he says, I think, that are so important for you this morning. Number one, don't be afraid. Come on, say it out loud. Don't be afraid. I'm not going to be afraid. God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, power, love, and a sound mind. Come on, I'm not going to be afraid. Fear not is one of the most uh, known verses, things, and don't be afraid in the Bible. Someone said 365 times, one for every day of the week. Don't be afraid. He says, remember the Lord. Remember who he is. Come on, remember the Lord. Remember he's strong and mighty. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. Come on, he's all-powerful. Come on, he's all-knowing. He's everywhere. He's omnipresent. Remember who he is. Remember, he's strong and valiant. He defeats your enemies for you. Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord and fight, he says, for your family. Fight for your family. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't back down. Listen, it goes on to say in that next couple of verses that when you fight, God frustrates the enemy. When you fight, that's what he said. Nehemiah told him, listen, when we fight, God's going to frustrate the enemy. So you don't need, all you got to do is stand. You, you gotta, we're not talking about boxing the enemy. We're not talking about boxing those kids that are messing with your kids. But we're talking about learning how to fight in the unseen. Learning what to do, spiritual things that will affect natural things. Nehemiah told him, when you fight, God's going to frustrate the enemy. The devil's a quitter. You can outlast him. You can outlast him. You can stand stronger than he'll stand. He'll, he'll quit and leave when you stand on the word of God. Now, what we know from Nehemiah's day is that Nehemiah and the men, they actually had a tool in one hand, and they had a weapon in the other hand. Look at that. They had a tool in one hand, and they had a weapon in the other hand. Come on, say it. A tool and a weapon. Listen, you need both, parents you got to have both. What do I mean by that? You have to build and you have to battle at the same time. When they were on the wall, they were building. But they also, come on, they were packing. Come on, somebody. They had a tool in one hand, but they had a weapon in the other hand. you got to learn how to do both. 
Listen, it's never going to stop. It's never going to stop for you parents. I, I, I'm, I'm just telling you. I thought when my kids got to be a certain age and maybe out of the house or got to be a certain age, out of high school, whoo, my days of battling, my days of building are over. Get on down the road. That ain't the way it is. I don't know about you, but I want my kids and I want my grandkids around me. I like it. I love my kids and I really love my grandkids. And here's what I know. The devil's out to do what he said he's going to do, steal, kill, and destroy. So I've got to keep on building. I've got to keep on battling, even though my son has kids, even though my daughter has kids of their own. They have a family of their own, two of them. They're doing it themselves, them, themselves. but I've got to do that with them and for them, again, because this is my family. We build and we battle at the same time. In Nehemiah, the Bible says, chapter 3, that the word built is used six times and the word repaired is used 38 times. Six times they built the wall, it says, and then 38 times it's repaired. This is, this is what we do. Parents, this is what we do. We constantly build things in their lives and we constantly repair things in their lives. Man, it's never going to stop. I, I want to talk to you just winding down our message, our time I want to talk to you about three ways to fight. Three ways to fight, I think, that are noteworthy for you to recognize and for all of us to recognize this morning that practical things but very powerful things, here they are. Number one, we fight in prayer. We fight in prayer. Listen, don't relegate prayer to a last resort relegate prayer to a first response. Jesus said this, that we need to pray without ceasing. He said men ought always to pray and faint not. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't back down. This is what we do. We pray without ceasing. We intercede. We stand in the gap for our kids, for the next generation because we know the attacks are coming. I mean, come on, COVID and shutdown and quarantine has messed up families. So if we know that, and if you're one of those, listen, we're for you. The church wants to know. Hope City, come on, Pastor, Pastor Jake and Jim want to know that so how we can pray for you so that you are not victimized by the vultures or the wild animals. And we can join forces with you as a family and Protect and believe God that the blood of Jesus is going to protect your kids and turn the situation around. We believe that God will do it. Come on, we're going to fight. We're going to fight in prayer. So let me just say this, is that we, you, we all need to win the battle in the unseen realm. That's what we've got to do. There's an unseen realm that you can't see. There are vultures out there, demonic Spiritual forces that you can't see, but are very active. Ephesians 6 talks about that. So we've got to learn how to pray. And if you're new to the faith, if you're new to Hope City, if you're new to serving God and all this is brand new to you, then that's why I'm encouraging you to reach out to ask somebody, help me. Come on, help me. Show me what I need to do. Listen, so uh, let me just encourage you all that, that have been in it for a while, that, that if, if you won't bombard heaven, you know, with your praying, th then don't complain about what you're seeing. 
So we need to bombard heaven. We need to be relentless. We need to be passionate. We need to take the word of God, and we need to bring it before God, and we need to fight, fight in prayer. The second thing we need to do, three ways to fight, we need to fight in faith. Fight in faith. Listen, what's that top mean? Don't be moved by what you see. Don't be moved by what you hear. Just don't be moved. We know from the Bible, Mark 11 tells us to speak to our mountain. So, so we use our faith and we speak to our mountain. We don't allow our mountain to move us from our faith. Our, our mountain, the big, impossible situations, something going on with your kids, and maybe it's addiction, maybe it's crazy relationship, maybe it's all, all kinds of things that we've been through, families go through. Don't allow your mountain to move you from your faith. Keep your mouth moving, speaking God's word. We fight in faith. Jesus said, speak the word only. Just speak the word only. Just speak the word only. Challenge yourself to speak words of blessing, words of victory over your kids. Again, it's real easy to speak what we see, <laughs> but speak what you believe. Speak what you want happen, not what you're seeing. So again, speak what you want don't speak what you feel, and don't speak what you see. It's so easy to slip into that. So, so let me kind of go old school even, you know, fighting faith with some of you parents. Come on, I'm going old school. Come on, get your anointing oil out. Come on, go into their bedrooms and slap some oil around the bedroom. Come on, put some oil, come on, by their bed. Uh, come on, I, I'm the product of some praying mom. Man, my mom would have some ladies over at the house when I was a teenager, me and my two brothers, and they would storm heaven. And I think she put oil in my bed. I slipped out of bed a couple of nights. I think they just anointed the bed with oil. So come on, let your faith be risen toward God. Let it go up, but we fight in prayer. Come on, we fight in faith. And lastly, let me just encourage you, we fight in love. We fight in love. Uh, love is a fight that we just stay in. Keep allowing compassion. Keep allowing mercy. Keep allowing tenderness. Keep allowing grace. Keep allowing kindness towards your kids to come through you. Don't allow it to get squashed. Listen, you know the scripture. It says love never fails. Come on. We want to walk in forgiveness. And I know it's so tough. I know it's so challenging. We can do it with others, but it seems those that are so close to us, you just want to, come on, how many know sometimes the spirit of strangle gets on you? Come on, somebody. But, but you got to learn how to fight in love. you got to learn how to, how to walk in forgiveness. When they're saying crazy stuff to you, I've heard these things, and I've been around families that it's just venom coming out of, uh, you know, a, a child to a parent because of what's going on in their life. You've got to learn how to fight in love. And, and, and on the practical side, you know, listen, let me, if you've got, of course, the kids at the house, listen, just wash the clothes, cook them meals. Just like it's Jesus. Just, ser just serve them like Jesus. And I know there's boundaries, and I know I'm, I'm painting with a big brush this morning, but, but th there are things that you do spiritually and there's things that you do naturally. Don't allow that unforgiveness to settle in. Don't, don't allow you to stay in what it looks like right now. Look beyond that. Look, look beyond that. We, we know from the story that when Rizpah, what, her, what, what she did, got the attention of King David, and, and the boys actually then were buried with 
King Saul and, and his son. There's hope for your family. Listen, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord, but fight for your family. Fight for your family. Fight off the vultures. Fight off the wild animals. Listen to me. And just like Rispa, your prayers have come to the attention of God. Her prayers came to the attention of David. Your prayers have come to the attention of God. Listen, and God's not finished. He's not done. No matter what it looks like, my prayer is that your faith would rise up, your hope would rise up to realize that your family can know the Lord. As Joshua said, me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. It might not look like it right now. It might like, look like all kinds of things are out of proportion and things are not even close to looking like this. That's why we are going to fight. I love you. Thanks for being with us today. I love your church. I love your pastors. I hope to see you real soon. God bless you. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.